Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best Value Registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. I think our kids need to know that their feelings make sense. We need to know that our feelings make sense. You know, we don't, as adults, we don't want our emotions corrected. You know, we don't want somebody to tell us you're overreacting or you're this or you're that. So we need to know that our feelings make sense and they need to know that. Welcome to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about the messy, less than perfect, but real stuff of life. My name's Jill Savage, and I'll be your host. I'm so glad you're here. So how well do you know your kids? I'm not talking about how well you think you know them by sharing things like their likes or their dislikes. I'm talking about how much you let them inform you of what's going on inside their head and their heart. You know, whether our kids are extroverted or introverted, and I had some of both, whether they're argumentative or passive, and I had both of those, we all face the challenge of getting to know our kids' hearts. And in order to do so, we have to create a relationship that allows our kids to feel heard and to feel valued. And my guest today understands how to do that. And she's going to equip us to do that today. Becky Harleen is a popular speaker and the author of 11 books. Her most recent book, How to Listen So Your Kids Will Talk, has become a favorite among parents, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. So welcome to the No More Perfect Podcast, Becky. Hey, it's great to be with you, Jill. I'm excited. Oh, thank you for joining me. Where in uh, the U.S. do you live? We live in the beautiful Colorado Springs. It's gorgeous. The sun shines almost every day. We have the mountains out our windows. It's gorgeous. I can't complain. Oh my goodness. Yes. That is one of my favorite places to be. I, um, my, my husband and I always thought that we would retire in Colorado. So uh, I don't know that that's going to happen because we have a whole slew of grandkids in Illinois. But <laughs> yeah, and you tend to be where your grandkids are, right? <laughs> I know, for sure. Well, I love to hear other people's stories. And you previously wrote the book, How to Listen So People Will Talk. So why did you decide to write How to Listen So Your Kids Will Talk as a follow-up? Well, How to Listen So People Will Talk did well as far as sales. And so the publisher came back to me and said, hey, we're thinking of families. We know you and your husband are big family people. Would you consider writing how to listen so your kids will talk? So I prayed about it and the Lord 
led me to write this one. And this one was a lot of fun to write. In fact, the day it arrived at the house, my husband, Steve, picked it up and sat down. He didn't even take his jacket off. It was so funny. He sat at the dining room table and read the entire book because <laughs> it brought back so many memories of our kids, you know? And he, I could hear him laughing in the dining room and remembering this one or that one, you know? So it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's so fun. Well, when I was kind of reading through it, one of the things that I came across is you said that in your early years of parenting, you just wanted your kids to obey. <laughs> well, I sure did. You know, I, I mean, as Christians, you know, we were all taught like, train up a child, you know, they've got to obey. And, you know, that went well the first two times around <laughs> and then I had my third child. And Jill, I just remember one morning falling on my knees before the Lord and sobbing before him, just saying, this isn't going well. And I'm pretty sure I'm screwing her up for life. She's going to need a lifetime of therapy because of me. Because I mean, Steph had, she was tired tiny Jill. She had big blue eyes. She was adorable, but she had an argument for everything. I remember the pediatrician saying to me, Becky, she's tiny, but mighty. And I remember thinking, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. That, that was our third as well. Oh my yeah, goodness. There's the just, <laughs> I know. I remember this true story. I remember I had uh, gone to the church and she was in her car seat and I just needed to run in something real quick. And so we were in the church parking lot. I felt safe just leaving here in the car for, you know, the probably 60 seconds I was in there. And when I came back out, she had a piece of gum and she'd gotten it out of my purse. And I was like, uh, Erica, did I give you permission to have that piece of gum? And she said, nope, but I asked God and he did. <laughs> She and my staff would be great friends, you know? I mean, yeah. And I, in fact, I remember a trip across the country. You know, that was back in the day where it, when they were three, they could be in a booster seat. Now they've got to be in a booster seat forever. And she was in her booster seat next to her brother and her brother had his mouth open and was asleep and she wanted a piece of candy. So she took the gum out of her mouth and just threw it in her brother's mouth. When he, woke up, he was chewing gum and my and he said, Where did I get this gum from? And my older daughter said, You don't want to know. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> she was wildly creative, but she had an argument for everything. And on that morning that I prayed, the Lord spoke to me so clearly, Jill. He said, You have got to give her a voice. And I remember thinking, God, I'm pretty sure she has a voice. And <laughs> the Lord was like, yeah, but you're trying to control her voice. And I want you to shape her voice. <sighs> and that marked a pivotal difference in the way I parented from then on in. Wow. Oh, I love that. Yes. So very, very important. And one of the things you said is, Sometimes, you know, when we just require obedience, it comes at the cost of connection. Yes. And so that connection, you know, it's like one of the things we talk about and um, my co-author, Dr. Kathy Cook, and I talk about in our No More Perfect Kids book is that I'm sure your kids need correction, but they also need connection. And when we can connect, it makes it actually easier to correct. Did you find that? 
Absolutely. That was a pivotal shift for me because I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. You know, I'm pretty driven. And so I was correcting a lot. And instead, the Lord wanted me to shift my focus to connecting with Steph, to hearing her heart, to raising her according to the design that he had designed for her. You know, Mm -hmm. she was a strong leader and she had millions of ideas and she needed to get those ideas out. So, so many conversations would start with, mom, don't say no yet you know, and then we would launch. And I realized my primary focus had to be really connecting with her and loving her how God had designed her. Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. I would say, unfortunately, I think I learned that later in the game than what I wish I had. You know, I learned that probably more when my daughter was in her teen years and I wish I'd learned it earlier. So I'm so glad we're having this conversation, especially for those parents that still have little ones that have a very strong personalities for them to have some of, you know, have this tool and this understanding at an earlier stage. But here's what I learned too, Becky, it's never too late. It's never too late. You're absolutely right. And, you know, I always go back to the example of Jesus, Jill, because Jesus left heaven so that he could connect with us. You know, he ran and crossed the distance to connect with us. And I I always believe that it's the parent's job to cross the distance to connect with that child. Mm, Yes, yes. And you say that there are actually three keys for a great relationship with your kids. The first one is to seek God for wisdom. The second to listen for understanding and then to become a student of your child. So let's like, let's dissect those just a little bit. All right. So first we need to seek God for wisdom, which is what you did that morning where you were at wit's end, right? Right. And I I think the temptation for every parent out there is to read every parenting book that's out there. And I get that because I did that. But first and foremost, God knows your child better than anybody. And so you've got to go to him for wisdom. You know, the key verses for our family life that Steve and I landed on are found in Proverbs 24, 3 and 4, where it says, by wisdom, a house is built. Through understanding, it is established. And through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. And, you know, let's be honest, Jill, none of us knew what we were doing as parents, right? I mean, right. You know, so we just had to go to our knees a lot and say, God, what do I do now? Because I have no wisdom. Yes, yes. And to trust that he does know that child's heart. He created that child's heart and personality. And so then we have to be willing to be open to that. And I love how what he first impressed on your heart, you need to give this child a voice. And then you retorted back wait a minute, she has one. (laughs) Yes, yes. And I love that about God because we can have a full-on conversation with him, right? Yep, (laughs) exactly, exactly. So we need to seek God for wisdom. We need to listen with the goal of understanding. If we're not listening for understanding, what are we doing? We're trying to control them. You know, we're trying to listen to so that we can convince them to do what we want them to do instead of shifting our focus to listening to understand 
what's behind what they're saying. You know, that's really the giving your child the gift of empathy. You know, as a parent, I look back and I, I learned a lot of things later when my kids were teens too. But I remember that I often wanted to fix them, you know, like I didn't want them to feel sad. So I would try to fix the situation. Instead, they didn't want me to fix it. They wanted me to empathize with them. You know, and again, we go back to Jesus, right? Jesus empathized with us because he came to earth to walk in our shoes, you know, so that he could offer full understanding to us of what it's like to be human. And Mm -hmm. that's the gift of empathy, helping your kids feel understood. Yes. And, you know, uh, along the same lines as this, Jesus was a master at asking questions. Oh, he was. I love that about Jesus. Yeah. And so, you know, when you're you're talking about these keys for a great relationship with your children, if we have the goal of understanding, that's going to involve a lot of question asking. It really is. And there's so many fun ways to do this. You know, there's two different ways to ask questions. You can ask your kids questions where it's like you're trying to interrogate them. That's never a good idea. Right? <laughs> get a wall. Instead, make question asking fun. You know, at the dinner table, ask your kids about the best part of their day and the worst part of their day. Ask them when they felt like a superhero that day. Ask them things like, who's the class clown? Who's the kid that gets in trouble in your class the most? And laugh about it. Don't take life so seriously, you know, but make question asking fun, you know, play would you rather with your kids, which is such a great game, you know, just would you rather do this or do this? i never forget asking that of our grandkids a couple of years ago. And my sweet little granddaughter who was six at the time, the question was, would you rather be pretty or smart? Without pause or hesitation, she jumped up and said, pretty. And, you know, her mama started laughing and said, well, there you have it. <laughs> you know? and, and But it gives you a glimpse into your child's soul. It does. Yes. And, you know, sometimes some of the best times for those kind of fun conversations, like, would you rather, is when you're driving somewhere. Oh, yeah, especially with your teens. I don't know what your teens were like, Jill, but I had the best conversations with my teens when we were in the car and Mm -hmm. I was looking out the front of the Mm -hmm. window driving and they were seated next to me looking out the window and we weren't looking at each other. You Mm -hmm. know, it's important to teach your kids to make eye contact, but sometimes it's better to forego that so that you can really get to the root of the issue. Yes, yes. You know, I I wrote a blog post several years ago about a pillow journal. That was another way that I, I, just just a couple of my kids that worked for. And with the pillow journal, what I would do is I would ask questions like that in a journal format, put it on their pillow, and Mm. then they They'd write out their answer, put it on my pillow. And yeah, I love that. That was really a helpful way, especially for ones that were a little bit more internal processors and they needed, you know, they couldn't necessarily always think right in the moment verbally, but they could process it through writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I think the key there is to know your child, what's going to work for them. Yes, yes, exactly. 
So you say that we need to seek God for wisdom, listen with the goal of understanding, and then finally become a student of our child so that our knowledge of their personality grows. So I think that there's two parts to that that are super important. Sometimes we just stop with become a student of your child and we forget. I mean, they're developing, they're growing. So we that's a constant process, isn't it? Yeah, it is. In fact, even now, you know, my kids are all adults and married and have kids of their own. But I still try to focus on becoming a student of each child and each Marian, as my kids call them. My kids call them the fours and the Marians, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, becoming a student of them, what, how are they going to respond in certain situations? What's on their heart? Really, listening to study what's going on in their life because they do go through seasons where they change. Right. Yes, they absolutely do. And so they're continuing. I mean, really, that's a lifelong process, isn't it? Yes, it definitely is. And I, I think it's it's never too late to start that process. And it's never too early to begin that process. Mm-hmm. I would agree. So let's be, I mean, let's be honest. There are some that are listening and their kids, they already have built up walls. And sure. and it may be that, I mean, honestly, it could be that their kids are still at home and they've built up walls or their kids are adults and they've built up walls. What do we do? How can we help take down walls that have been unknowingly or intentionally built up? I love that question, Jill. The first thing I would say is ask the Lord what you can apologize for. You know, I think a lot of times parents don't understand that an apology goes a long way. You know, a couple of years ago, Steve and I sat down with our adult kids and we said, okay, we want to talk with you and we want to hear your hearts. What did we do well and what did we do wrong? You know, and the kids, our kids are very honest with us. So we had a really good conversation. But you know what? To a child, which to an adult, really, because they're all adults, but to a kid, they all said the top thing you did right was apologizing when you were wrong. And I, I think parents undervalue that. And if there's a wall up, I would say 90% of the time, there's something you can apologize for as a parent. Did you come on too harsh? Have you been too strict? Have you unintentionally or intentionally criticized them? Apologize. And then secondly, say to that child, hey, I need your help. I'm working on my listening skills because this relationship is so important to me. And I need your help. I need you to help me become a better listener. And then see what happens. See about the conversation that unfolds. Our kids are not always ready for us to be humble. You know, they kind of expect that we're going to be the know-it-all. And so you kind of catch them off guard when you're like, you know what? I'm afraid I've blown it in a few ways. Let's talk about that because I want to improve. And you're sending the message, this relationship is really important to me. Mm, Yes. 
Yes, I can see that. And, you know, humility goes a long way, doesn't it? Oh, it does. It definitely does. I can remember nights where, you know, I would get down on my knee next to a kid's bed and just say, you know what? I really blew it today. I was too angry or I said some things I shouldn't have said. Will you forgive me? And the the great thing about our kids is they're almost always willing to forgive, you know, but they need the apology. And what you're doing is you're modeling for them a skill that they need for the rest of their life. Because if they can't apologize, they're not going to have a great marriage. They're not going to have great friendships. You know, life just isn't going to go well for them. Yes, that is so very true. Yes. All right. So back to listening. So your daughter, Stephanie, you said was a big Mm -hmm. negotiator. And so my guess is you probably had some struggles listening to her. Would that be correct? (laughs) I did. I, you know, I remember I had been out speaking at a women's retreat. Steph was about 12 at the time. And I came home and Steph came bounding down the steps and she had a a new idea. And she said, I want a TV in my room. And I remember thinking, okay, this goes against everything Steve and I believe as parents. But I knew I was too tired to get into an argument with her. So I whispered a quick prayer going back to the Lord for wisdom. And then I said, okay, Steph, I need a little while before we have this conversation. So I want you to go up on the computer and I want you to write me a proposal. And it has to have good paragraph structure. It's got to have capitals and periods. And I want you to come up with a whole proposal for why you think you need this TV in your room. And Steph took on the challenge like something you've never seen. I mean, she worked on that proposal for two hours, Jill. And she came down and presented it to Steve and I. And then she left the room for us to, you know, make our decision. And Steve said, Beck, this is really good. (laughs) Honestly, I think she needs a win. And so we gave her, this is a joke to this day with Steph. We gave her a black and white TV that we had in the garage that only worked on two channels, but she felt like she won. And I think she watched it only twice and then got sick of it because the color TV was down in the family room, you know? Oh, that's funny. And now she's using that technique with her kids. So that's the biggest win for me, you know? (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love that. You know what it kind of reminds me of a little bit? I I remember with my older kids and, you know, bless their hearts, they're the guinea pigs, right? Oh, they are. And, you know, each one of them, they would get to their junior, senior year in high school. And they, I mean, every one of them, my friends and I are going to make a, as soon as graduation happens, we're going to make a cross country road trip. We're going to take this big road trip back to California or out to wherever. And, you know, with the first two, it was like, well, how are you going to pay for that? And, you know, I was quick to tell them why that wasn't going to be a good idea. And... I learned important lessons after that. And I started to just dream with them. You know, the the younger ones, they would say that. And then I'd say, oh, well, where would you go? And what would you do? And what would that be look like? And why does that appeal to you? And I just, you know, what I realized is early on, I was a dream taker. And I, I began to be a dream maker. I love that, Jill. I love that so much because our kids do have dreams and some of their dreams are not realistic, but that's okay. We don't ever want to rob dreaming from them. 
Yes. Yes. And, and you know what? Not a one of them took that trip. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, what's funny is sometimes if you pause before you say no, the problem works itself out. Like I I remember Steph again, you know, I think she was in fifth grade for this one. And we had, my husband was a pastor, right? And so Mm -hmm. you're, you know, we had our kids in children's programs and all this kind of stuff. And one night in um, Pioneer Girls, one of the leaders made a statement I don't know, something about how if you dye your hair blue, it's a sign of rebellion. Well, Steph got all fired up and she came home and she said, Dad, show me in the Bible where it says you shouldn't dye your hair blue. And she said, it doesn't say that. She said, exactly. That's my point. Can I dye my hair blue? And Steve said, if you want to dye your hair blue, go for it. I don't care. <laughs> well, she never dyed her hair blue, you know, but it was the justice thing. You know, she wanted to know, okay, that's not truth. And and actually she was right. You know, that leader I'm sure meant well and never realized how they came across. But, you know, we have to be careful that we're not saying no to stupid things, you know, that aren't going to matter for time and eternity. Yes, yes. I think that we do tend to be, many of us tend to go to no before we go to yes. And you know what, we want to reserve our no's for the things that really need to, we need to say no about. Right, right. And I, I think that if parents can get that and really draw their child out and give them a voice. It's a huge win for them because how you listen to them when they're younger will largely depend on how they talk to you when they leave home. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. You're exactly right. You're actually kind of laying a foundation for your adult relationship with them. Yes. Yes. And it's so important. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, one of the things I have really seen is particularly with so many of us having these mini computers in our hands, uh, you know, our smartphones or, um, you know, which I mean, we are more accessible to lots of people than we ever have been before. So how does that affect our listening and our ability to allow uh, our children to really talk and for us to hear them? You know, I I think I feel for today's parents because back when you and I were raising kids, we didn't have smartphones, you know, and now if you go to a park and you watch all the mamas in the park, what are they doing? Their kids are playing on the playground, but they're scrolling Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. They're checking the news and the weather. They're answering emails or text messaging. And you're right. We are now available 24 seven and God calls us to be accessible to our kids. And so I I think it's important for parents to learn to set boundaries around their phones because the phone seems to be the biggest culprit in this. Put it away. Put it away during dinner time and focus on your child. When your child first gets home from school, put your phone away. You don't need to check your email because it'll be there in an hour, (laughs) you know, and whatever's happening on social media will still be happening in an hour, but you have these moments with your child. And when your child wants attention, you need to be there and be present because you won't have those moments forever. 
Yes, so very true. And sometimes we have to do super practical things, you know, especially if we are easily distracted. You know, if we have an ADD mind ourselves, where maybe we need to take the notifications off of our phone, maybe we need to turn our phone on silent, you know, those kind of things that like in those moments where we really want to connect with our kids, maybe it's after school or when we pick them up from, you know, a sports event or something like that. Sometimes we have to actively make a decision to turn off the distraction so that our our thoughts and our focus isn't drawn away from our kids. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, boundaries were really God's idea. And so setting boundaries around your phone is a great idea. I I mean, I know of one family at the dinner table, they pass a basket, everybody, teens, parents, everybody put their phone in the basket and that's put in a completely different room so that as a family, they can fully focus on each other, you know, and maybe for you, for some of the listeners out there that are in the car, car time is really precious time with your kids, you know? So I would say when you're in the car and you're picking them up from school or soccer or swimming or, you know, music lessons or whatever, turn your phone on silent until you have finished that car time, you know, and just focus on your kid. Which we should be doing anyway if we're driving, right? Right. I mean, (laughs) yeah, yeah, there's that. (laughs) (laughs) But you're right. I mean, you know, oftentimes we just get into habits. and, And so we need to create some new habits. And one of those may be, you know, to turn off those distractions that would would pull us away. I know for me, another place I would struggle sometimes I would pseudo listen was when I was on the computer and I started to do, I started to say to myself, Jill, stop, look and listen. Yep. Stop what you're doing. Look and fully like listen. One time my, my youngest son, he got frustrated with me and he, he was probably four at the time. And he said, mommy, listen to me with your eyes. Yes. 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 (laughs) I love that because that says it very clearly. Yes. And you know, I mean, I was listening with my ears, but I wasn't communicating value to him by listening with my whole body. And, you know, today's parents, especially with this COVID season, they face enormous challenges because many of them are working from home and their kids are home because yes. been canceled. They're doing online learning and all of that. You know, for those parents, what I would say is pick one spot in your home where you're going to do your work and leave your computer there so that when you're out in the family room, that is no longer a work spot. That's a family connection spot, you know? And Mm -hmm. so you have to do these little tricks to just be able to stay focused, you know? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's good. You know, um, especially with everybody being, you know, you and I are recording this in the midst of, of the COVID crisis and a lot of kids are struggling with anxiety and even fear. Yeah. This is, this is, all the more reason that we really need to be listening to our kids' hearts or even listening deeper than their words, uh, you know, because sometimes fear and anxiety come out in irritability. Yes. 
And so we have to go deeper than even their words, which is why asking questions can be so valuable. But what suggestions would you give parents to help their kids express their emotions in healthy ways to help their kids even figure out what's going on inside of them? You know, this is such an important topic, Jill. I I want to go backwards a little bit here first. You know, I was raised in a really, really strict fundamentalist home. And so I grew up thinking that to get angry was wrong, you know, and I, I see a lot of parents when their kids are, you know, throwing a fit or are just irritable, you know, correcting them again and, and correcting their emotions. Listen, your child was designed in the image of God and he, he was or she was designed in the image of a very emotional God. In the Old Testament and in the New Testament, we see that God got pretty angry. So don't ever send your child the message that it's wrong to be angry. You know, definitely there are actions you can choose as a result of your anger. But first and foremost, establish the policy in your home that all emotions are okay to be expressed you know, and that you're going to validate those emotions. For kids that are dealing with anxiety right now, you know, when you tuck them in bed at night, sit on their bed for a few moments and rub their back. Ask them what they're worried about. Listen, as a parent, you're probably struggling with anxiety right now too. I mean, the statistics are off the charts because Mm -hmm. none of us know when this pandemic is going to be over, right? So you can feel the anxiety in the air. So whatever you do, don't send the message to your child that anxiety is wrong, but draw them out and let them know that you're going to help them as they figure out what they're feeling. And there's a lot of different ways to do this. You know, when you're, when your toddler's throwing a fit on the floor, try to figure out, are, are they hungry? Are they tired? You know, what are they angry about? I remember uh, one of our grandkids, he has some special needs and his parents had left and I was taking care of him and he just threw a royal fit on the floor. And I remember I got down on my knees and I looked him eyeball to eyeball and I said, baby, what, you know, what are you feeling? Are you feeling angry? And he instantly stopped, looked me in the eyes and said, yes, angry, you know, and I was giving him the words to express what he was feeling. Your, your little kids need help expressing their feelings. Are you feeling angry? Are you feeling frustrated? One of my little grandsons, his little sister had wrecked his art project and, Mm -hmm. um, and little Noah got pretty frustrated, you know, because he was, I think he was three or four at the time and his sister was 20 months younger. Anyway, he threw his chair over and stormed out of the room. And my daughter was taking care of the one who had scribbled on his art project. And so I went and I said, Noah, you know, do you feel frustrated? And he said, yes. And I said, can you say that word? I feel frustrated. And, you know, he said, I feel frustrated. And I said, you know, next time that happens, say, I feel frustrated. Don't throw your chair over necessarily. Just say, I feel frustrated. I wasn't sure Noah got this. But much later that day, Noah had a friend over and the friend also has a baby sister. And both of the babies got into their Lego project. Both boys came running out in the family room and started dancing, saying, 
I feel frustrated and laughing <laughs> hilariously. And I thought, that's a win right there. Oh, <laughs> so I love that. Try out the language to express what they're feeling. Yes, yes. And what you're talking about there, you know, where all emotion can be expressed and we need to to validate and you know valid what does it mean to to validate it lets them know you know you may not agree with the way with their emotional response it doesn't matter whether you do or not validating says you know what it makes sense that you would be frustrated i find that the word it, it makes sense often helps me to validate yeah. Yes, I use that exact same phrase, Jill. And that's such a good point because I think our kids need to know that their feelings make sense. We need to know that our feelings make sense. You know, we don't, as adults, we don't want our emotions corrected. You know, we don't want somebody to tell us you're overreacting or you're this or you're that. So we need to know that our feelings make sense and they need to know yes. that. And, you know, really what we're talking about is making home a safe place to be. Yeah. It's a it's a safe place for us to be ourselves, for us to figure out the world, for us to express what we're thinking and what we're feeling. And that's what we want to do is make home a safe place. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, if your kids feel safe at home, they'll always want to come home. Yes. You know, if your kids don't feel safe at home, they're not going to want to come home. Very true. Yeah, very true. Oh, Becky, this has been such a good conversation. Our time is up. Oh, I love it. Jill. Thank <laughs> you so much for taking the time to share with us. So where is the best place for our listeners to connect with you? Hey, they can connect with me on Facebook at Becky Harling Author Speaker. They can connect with me on Instagram at Becky Harling. Uh, they can connect with me on Twitter. I have a website, BeckyHarling.com. And then my husband and I have a joint website called HarlingLeadership.com. So yeah, I love to connect with my listeners and my readers. And yeah, I try to answer questions when I can. So feel free to connect with me. And you can get the book on Amazon, on ChristianBooks.com, Barnes & Noble, anywhere Christian books are right, sold. Right, right. Talk to us just real briefly before we uh, say goodbye here. You offer parent coaching and something called Mama Masterminds. Talk to <laughs> us. Uh, I'm just developing this. I am just developing this, Jill. So I am going to be offering my first Mama Mastermind, and it's going to be a small group. I don't want it to be larger than 10 for right uh -huh. now. So the idea will be there will be some brief teaching, and then we're going to be interacting. It's kind of like a group coaching session where mamas can share what's on their heart. And there might be somebody in your group that has gone through that very same thing or, and we're going to pray together. And so it's going to be a great place to find a support network as a mom. Oh, I love that. That's great. That is great. And the, and then you also offer parent coaching. So, I do. so people can set up a coaching appointment and you will help them to sort through and figure out how to take next steps as a parent. 
Absolutely. I offer a free 30-minute discovery call, and then the person can decide if they want to move forward with parent coaching. But it's a way to invest in that parent-child relationship. Yeah, I love that. Very good. Well, you know what? I just have a sense. I don't always end our podcast this way, but would you be willing to pray for those that are listening and, you know, particularly on this topic of listening so that our kids will talk? Absolutely, Jill. Lord Jesus, you see the moms and the dads out there who are discouraged. They see that maybe their kids have already built up walls and they're not sure where to start. Lord, would you give them the courage to apologize for whatever they need to apologize for? Would you give them the courage to say to their child, this relationship is so important to me and I want you to feel loved, valued, and heard. Mm. Lord Jesus, give these parents wisdom, help them to hit their knees when they don't know what to do and to ask you for wisdom because we know that you promise to answer that prayer in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Becky, for joining me. It's great to be with you, Jill. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future conversations. You can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over at jillsavage.org slash podcast. See you next week for another not perfect, but very important conversation about the real stuff of life.